Welcome to episode 191 of Auto Off Topic. Hello there, Brad. What's going on, Andrew? Oh, just uh, recording during daylight. So before I got on here, I was um, out using my little decal wizard on the Montero again. Because you got to kind of do that in sections. Yeah, because you get tired getting... of it. <laughs> yeah, because the drill, the torque of the drill, you're trying to hold it. And like, there's just a pressure zone where it will either walk across the door or it will not touch or it will just peel the decal off. So you kind of just like do it. And I think it took me almost 45 minutes just to do half of the driver's door because I'd done the other half yesterday. I have a problem with it um, like burning through the paint. It burned through in a couple spots towards the rear edge of the door, which was weird because they were, it, they were like, looked like rock chips. And I was like, was there rock chips there? But no, it just literally took a rock chip size part of the paint out, like a large rock chip. I, I bet there was a rock chip there. It probably had already affected the paint. And then when you hit it with that whiz wheel, it probably like broke it out. Oh, it, maybe was, it didn't. Was it the rear of the rear door? No, it was the rear of the front door. Well, so maybe way. it maybe it didn't break the decal, but it broke the paint underneath. Possibly, yeah. The decal was holding it's, it together. It's weird. A, bur- a burn through doesn't come off of the chip. A burn through comes through and you'll see an edge where it smooths exactly. down. So if it's a yeah. chip, it's a chip. Yeah, it's weird. So the I talked about this before. The passenger side front fender came off perfectly smooth. Only needed a little bit of cleanup. I did actually get some acetone from uh, Home Depot. I did their pickup locker. But even then, uh, an employee got it for me. Nice. But um, <laughs> So, Fail. yeah, I had, like, cleaned it. Yeah, but I didn't have to go to the store or I didn't have to wait in line. I just walked up right. and this dude grabbed it for me. So it, it, I wiped it off. Looks pretty good. Almost like brand new paint. Driver's side came off easier. Left a little bit of residue. But it's like scuffed and scratched. Okay. I don't know. I it's don't understand. funny. I was thinking about the fact that that truck was a Arizona truck, which yeah. might have something to do with why the decals are so hard to come off. They could be like extra sun baked or something. I don't know. But then the driver's side door has come off, other than the, the rock chip type things at the rear of it, came off perfectly clean. Like it looks brand new underneath. Hmm. Um, the other side where it had like the rubber had melted, the acetone started to take off some of it, but I got to go back over it with the wizard wheel to knock down the hard stuff. Okay. I, I don't know. It's bizarre. It doesn't matter because I'm just trying to prep the surface. It's going to get silver, gray, light gray uh, bed liner from the silver portion of the truck down. Which will so, protect it from all future rock chips anyway. Yeah, and it'll look nice and it that stuff's flexible so I can put it over the bumper end caps that are all chewed up and dried out from the sun. Yep. You know, I can sand them, touch them up. Yeah, One of them's got a, a dent in it. It'll make a big difference in those. Yeah, it'll you, look you nice. Probably, you can probably heat that dent out too, at least a little bit. Better. I think so. And that way, you know, when I finally go to the mall and I get to flex in the bread lines, I can, um, you know, it won't get uh, any rock chips. But eventually, yeah, when we go off-road again, it'll... uh even having sliders there when it throws up a, a branch or a stone or something, it won't totally wreck it. Right. 
Well, that'll be good. I'm See, yeah, that's what I was doing. The, I'm looking forward to seeing the progress on that. I was trying to figure out what I can do. The hood and front fenders, the clear coat is so bad. Like it's peeling. There's anything I can do to them to make them look half decent. I mean, you could re-clear them. I was thinking about that because I could pop the fenders off, pop the hood off. I could re-clear them off the, off the truck. Yeah. Um, the roof is pretty much toasted, but it's not peeling, right? It's where the clear coat has basically smoothed itself into the other finish, I guess. But the roof is also six and a half feet off the ground, so nobody sees it. Exactly. But I was thinking maybe the easiest way to do that is just paint it white. Yep. And that will also help with the cabin heat in the summertime. Yeah. It'll look kind of cool. I think it'll look good. The gray and then like that kind of taupey silver in the middle and then the white roof will look really nice. Yeah. Um, and if the clear coat doesn't work that well, I would try it on the hood first because you could always just do like the center section of the hood with like a um, like a flat black vinyl or something in the middle section. Yeah, gray, it might just gray, do like a vinyl. Or a gray vinyl to match the lower section. Yeah, or I was thinking like almost a brownish bronze kind of vinyl to go with yeah, the that, tan. That would, that would work too. And, and like maybe if I cut it in like a gradient. So it was like oh, a sunset like stripe, but in one color. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. So I'll just hide yeah, it a little the, bit. Exactly. That's all I want to do. Because a truck like this, we talked about before, you don't ever want to spend a bunch of money to paint it perfectly. Because then you'll never, ever want to use it. Right. And like, the point is to go sp- off-road. Yeah, exactly. And if I spent three grand on a paint job on this truck, I would never take it off-road. Ever. Because right. once it's scratched, I'd be like so mad. Although, if you spent three grand on a paint job, you probably couldn't wait to take it off road because that paint job probably wouldn't be very good, and you'd want to get it scratched oh, off. Okay, <laughs> it, yeah, in my brain, it's like three grand to paint a car, but it's gone way up. So, yeah. realistically, I forget what you said. It's like what six to seven or something to actually paint. I a mean, car. It, it starts around there for a small car and for for a quality paint job. I mean, there's there's still ways to get a car painted fairly inexpensively, but you need to do a lot of prep work yourself. Um, you could still get a car painted in the three thousand dollar range, but you're gonna drop it off pretty much ready to spray and a lot of places won't even touch the car if you do that so it's finding the right guy to do it and prepping the car to do it i mean some of these modern materials you're talking a thousand dollars just in in product alone in a paint job so it's it's not super inexpensive to paint a car there's there's a reason car insurance costs so much because it costs so much to to fix a car it's funny because you know being from massachusetts and working in the industry the auto body industry out there for so long um, and then coming out here and seeing the difference between what things are out there and they are out here, it blew my mind because in Massachusetts, you know, the average body shop rate, which is driven by insurance is like 40 bucks an hour. So when you look at an estimate for a car out there, there's a lot of extra fluff to kind of make up the difference because if you actually got paid the equivalent of $40 an hour, <laughs> The cars would never, you never have a successful shop, you know, because rents and mortgages and utilities are so high out there. And then I come out here where that stuff's slightly more, slightly less expensive and labor rates are hovering in the $70 an hour range just because it's not insurance driven out here. So it's, it's crazy, but there are the out here. It's cheaper to get a whole car painted because more people do it because of sun damage. So even though I don't, it's, it doesn't make any sense because the labor rates are higher, but that's just, it is what it is. There's more shops out here that will paint a whole car for you. So next time you buy an Arizona car, maybe we'll paint it here and then ship it out to you. 
yeah, seriously, unless I uh, really like the patina. Sorry, I had it on mute because I didn't want to. I've got windows open. I don't want to ah, have any gotcha. errant sounds. I think errant sounds would be better than silence after I stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least I realized it. Yeah. Uh, um, excuse me. Um, uh, Andrew, you're on. I think you're on mute. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Zoom meeting move. Um, so I that's, yeah, that's last week. Yeah. So that's my only um, car project I've had. I don't know if you've done anything else. I think you've been doing small I've stuff, couple, right? I've had a couple of annoying things in the past few weeks. I had some tire issues. Um, I had uh, a tire that kept going flat in the Eclipse. So I brought that to a tire shop to have them see if they could seal it a little better. Uh, and they seem to have. So that's good. Um, I was losing pro- at the equivalent of like two or three PSI a day. So if I left the car parked for a week, the tire would be almost flat. So that was annoying. Which one was this? Uh, the right front on the Eclipse. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, those, those wheels are pretty chewed up. So I figured that their probably insides look about the equivalent of the outsides. So I'm just waiting for the, the budget to allow to either send them all out and have them restored or buy a new set of wheels, like aftermarket set of wheels. We'll see what happens. Um, I but think they, they uh, managed to see when all turbos would be like perfect. Yeah, but it's just we're talking budget here. So that's makes kissy I, chef face. I still need to do the suspension in the car. So there's just. The budget isn't there to do everything I would ideally want to do to the car, but that's one thing at a time. At least it now it's not, it's not leaking as much. No, it needs suspension first. Um, it's not leaking as much. It leaks probably one to two PSI a week now. Um, so that's that's more acceptable to me. I can top it off every you know week or so rather than every day. Um, and then I got the tires rotated on the Volkswagen. I feel almost embarrassed admitting this in the podcast that I paid somebody to change the oil or rotate the tires, but I'm in an apartment and I can't do those things. So I had the oil changed and the tires rotated in the Volkswagen yesterday. And when they took the tires off, they saw two giant nails in the right rear. Well, not right front tire. So there, uh, I just dropped that off to have the, is there like construction around where you're living? Well, I'm wondering if it's been in there since I hit that pallet a few months ago. Oh, that's these entirely are, possible. Yeah, these are like really huge, like pallet nails. They're not. There's two of them in there, and one of them's like sideways through the tire, and one of them's like it almost looks like it's bent so bad it was like a staple. So I'm pretty sure that they came from that pallet that I hit. So they weren't leaking. Um, in fact, until yesterday when the tire light came on after I had them rotated. So. Whatever. Uh, I bought them from Discount Tire, which we've talked about before. They're an amazing tire shop, and uh, they fix things for free, even if you don't buy them from them. But I did buy them from them, so the car is over there getting it's getting it fixed right now. So hopefully I don't get interrupted mid-podcast to tell me that they can't fix the tire. But even if they can't fix the tire, they'll give me a new one for free. So I'm not, uh, not worried about it because they have the warranty over there, and the warranty works out well. So annoying tire days, but other than that, no car projects here because again, apartment life, no garage. Paid somebody to change my oil. Sad face. At least I have the air filter to do it myself to at least qualify a little all right, bit of all right. car guy cred. But you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And when the oil change comes up and it's been a while and you have you have you get it done, you got to get it done. You know, it was it was due when this whole COVID pandemic started, uh, and I was trying to avoid bringing my car in for a trivial service. At this point, it was like it's well past now the mileage 
So I need to get it changed. I don't want to ruin the car by not changing the oil. So had to get it done, got it done. The Volkswagen dealer across the street's pretty good. They're not too terribly expensive considering. So it was worth it. Peace of mind. Wait, they're across the street from you? Yeah, pretty much. Like diagonally across the street. Weird. I walked back in like five minutes. That's so random. Where our apartment is here is like right in the center of like, it's like to get super local to Massachusetts, Camelback Road where I live is like 114 in Danvers. So Camelback Road in Phoenix is like dealership row in, in Danvers. So there's a... If within a block of here, there's a, a Nissan, a Cadillac, a Volkswagen, a Subaru, a Chevy. Um, that's all in the first block, all those dealers. So, yep, right across the street. And it's cool because it's obviously an enthusiast-owned dealership because the showroom doesn't have any modern Volkswagens in it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the showroom has a Volkswagen thing, uh, fully restored, like probably 64, 65 Beetle, restored and modified, I should say, because it's like a cow look, two-tone blue and white on uh, like chrome five spokes. Uh, and they have a Mark One Rabbit uh, pickup that's a former magazine feature car. It's on, you know, lowered on BBSs with a smooth engine bay and a 1.8 turbo, all in the showroom. There's no new Volkswagen in the showroom, just vintage stuff. So I dig that. So I, I like those guys over there. They're pretty good. My, my boring Jetta station wagon is more the most boring vehicle there because they have way cooler cars in the showroom. But yeah, they're right across the street and they're pretty good. So Camelback VW, if you're in Phoenix, I'll give them a quick shout out because they've always treated me well. When I had um, when I first got out here after driving the car across country and I had to change the rear tires because they were just worn. Um I didn't have a lock for the car, which we realized because the dealership that I bought it from never put one in the car. And for some reason, I never looked for a wheel lock. So thankfully, it didn't get it flat on the side of the road somewhere. But that particular Volkswagen dealer was able to hook me up pretty quickly and have me in and out without any drama that some dealerships will put you through when trying to get wheel lock keys. So I'll I'll forever be grateful to them because of that. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, no uh, no real car projects for me. I've been doing some scale project car stuff. Yeah, how's that going? Not well. Okay. Not well. Um, I don't know if people saw the pictures of the Tommy Mackinnon 1999 WRC New Zealand winter car that I've been building. Um, everything was going along smooth. The paint came out well. The decals all went on well. Um for those familiar with model kits, Tamiya kits have, or Tamiya, however you want to pronounce it, have the trim around the windows on the clear part is like a frosted glass. And you have to mask it off and paint the black trim or else it looks weird in the finished kit having frosted glass around the windows instead of black glass around the windows. Yeah, I remember when we first did this as kids, it was like, whoa, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And um, um, a lot of... So this one didn't come with masks or it did? It did come with masks. All right. So it was a modern enough release that it came with masks. Yes. Because early ones didn't. Later ones started coming with masks. But there's also aftermarket companies that sell masks for Windows. So when they first started offering the masks, remember you had to cut the masks out 
it would be this little sheet of masking material and it'd have the line on it that was the shape of the window. You have to trim it with an exacto blade to fit to the window. Oh, I don't remember cutting it. I remember having them pre-cut. Or maybe it was a uh, maybe it was Fujimi or one of the other companies that did that. But regardless, this had pre-cut masks in it. So there was no issue with the mask. The paint didn't leak underneath the mask or anything like that. Um, what happened was when you're spraying two-tone or anything where there's a masking involved, you like to spray the... So say you're spraying a two-tone, a black and a white. You obviously spray the white first because the lighter color. Then you mask up the part that you want to stay white to paint the black. But before you paint the black, you spray another couple light coats of the white so that it seals the edge of the masked area so that if any paint happens to leak under the mask, it's white paint and you won't see the black leaking through onto the white. By the way, this works not just on model cars, but anytime you're masking something. Yeah, for sure. And that that's, that, I, yeah, that's works for everything. Yeah, I've done this painting walls in the house. Like we did like two-tone walls in our living room. Yep. And between the two, yeah, I... I seal it with one of the colors and yeah it totally works right because what happens is that that layer of paint you put on there will dry and it'll create a barrier that doesn't you know it can't be penetrated by the paint it's the part yeah, that's already when it, leaked yeah when it leaks you can't tell it's the same color exactly so once that dries you spray the second color on in that case black and you pull the paint edge very carefully because you don't want to break a chip off um you paint you pull the mask off and it should be a perfectly clear or perfectly smooth line with no deviations whatever the tape laid down it should have that line in the colors so when it comes to the windows in these cars they masked my bright idea was i'll get some clear spray paint and they'll mask them down and then i'll spray them with clear and then i'll put the black down that way the clear will seal the edge and when i paint the black it won't have any chance of leaking through so i did this to be safe Unfortunately, what I didn't realize, uh, and I've since learned, is that clear paint, um, and this apparently goes for all clear paints I've learned. I thought it was maybe because I used like a Krylon paint and not a hobby brand paint, but apparently it's clear. Any clear, the chemical content is too aggressive or too hot. Yeah, and, too hot. Yeah, so it affects the plastic if the plastic isn't primed in some way or painted in some way. Because normally when you're putting clear on a car, you'd be putting it over you know, primer or paint, but apparently not the case with the glass, uh, or the, the quote unquote glass, obviously it's plastic. So not only did this clear eat into the glass, it actually ate through the masking. Hmm. So the entire windshield where there was a mask looked like it had been, it looked like a headlight on a 15 year old plastic headlight car. Huh. Like it was just completely opaque. And I wonder if even with Mr. Hobby top coat, because that's a water-based clear. Yeah, maybe. It, because people will use that over decals on a car. Um, the only thing you have to be careful with that is if you go too heavy, it can reactivate the decals because it is water-based. But um, I used it on the Tamiya Spike Subaru, the Toshi Arai one. Yep. Um that worked really well for that. So. Well, the problem is, is that we're in a weird time right now and hobby materials are not easy yeah. to come by. I don't have a ton of stuff here to practice on either because a lot of my hobby stuff is still back in Massachusetts because we we're again waiting until I had a house to store my stuff in before I sent it out here. 
So I don't have like scrap materials lying around to practice this stuff with or like a scrap old kit that I can take the plastic out of and see how different things react. So unfortunately, I can't really practice these things. <laughs> so if anybody has a uh, Tamiya Evo 5 or 6 kit lying around, the glass is the same in both. Uh, and I'd love to have an extra glass sent out if somebody uh, has a kit that's either an old junker or they're not going to build or whatever. Yeah, see, I think... The last time I did it, I did I used the mask, and then you mask the outside of the windows too. Of course, so you overspray, and I probably used Tamiya satin or Tamiya flat. Yeah, out of the can, TS whatever. Well, it is. It's like next TS1. time, yeah, next time I'll just make sure that's burnished down really good, um, and I won't clear it first. I'll just put the black on and do some very very use very light coats. A Q-tip to go over the edges because it'll kind of help it slide with the cotton on there and you can apply direct pressure and what else I've also done in the past I think I stopped doing this because they are hard to get or they don't make them anymore but maybe you can find other versions testers used to have a flat black paint pen oh I still I, they still make those they still these I think for a while they were kind of hard to get for some reason or yeah. I couldn't find them at the local hobby store no, I, I have but, one that I bought recently so yeah, that that can work well too because you can kind of control how much goes on. Yeah, I used that when I was doing the uh, window trim on the outside of the body, like the black mold. Okay. So yeah, yeah I've, tr- I've tried to paint those too. Um, I can't remember the last time if that came out all right. Anyway, so I tried to fix the problem. Um, I have a polishing kit here, which starts at like a thousand grit sandpaper, and it's like a thousand, two thousand, four thousand, six thousand, twelve thousand. Um. And I got most of the glass pretty clear, but it took a lot of pressure. And then when I was getting close to the end, unfortunately, I snapped the windshield right down the middle. So, yeah. So the other thing our listener and and, uh, friend Jordan Jesselowski also recommended because he builds a lot of kits Um, when it does bleed. If obviously if the window stays clear, you can clean up bleed marks with a a toothpick and kind of pick them off, clean them up. Yep. I've also carefully like polished them off and kind of like redone them before too. Yeah. Again, with a Q-tip, it works well for that. It is what it is. I screwed up. Um, I will say that I did contact the manufacturer, Tamiya, directly. I sent them an email through their website, um, gave them the kit number and the parts tree that I was looking for to see if they had one. Um, Not expecting a response. And they got back to me within 20 minutes which I thought was pretty neat. They told me all of the kits that had the same glass and they told me that they didn't have any in stock at, at the USA headquarters because the kit has been discontinued for a while. Um, he did say he was going to contact the headquarters in Japan to see if they had any, but he couldn't make any promises because it's been a while since the kit has been released. So, But he did say it was the same glass in uh, the Evo 6 streetcar, rally car, and even the Evo 5 rally car kits. So... Yeah, I've actually got one sitting on the uh, sitting on the shelf, but it's complete and I want to build it. So I know I wasn't going to ask you for it. Actually, I remember because that was one that we kind of we tag team the two tone on. Remember? Oh, I mean, this is, we're probably talking close to twenty years ago now. No, it was more like ten years ago because it's been sitting on my shelf. Oh, Either shit. way, it was a long time ago. I remember you got frustrated with it, and I said, "If and you were going to throw it away," <laughs> and I said, "If I can fix the two tone, you don't get to throw it away." And you're like, "All oh, right, fine, whatever." Oh, I don't so think I, I um. I took it from you. 
And I fixed the two stones. This is the Marlboro car. I don't think I opened this one up. I'm I'm thinking it's the four or five. The car that's mostly white with the red bumpers. Yeah, that's the one that I did fix the two tone on. Yeah, yeah. But I actually have the kit that you're building. I also have this one on the shelf. Oh. Well, if you're not going to finish that five kit, the glass will fit in the same kit. So uh, I might have gotten an alternate decal set for it. I don't remember. I haven't looked at all that stuff. It's just been sitting on the shelves. Either way. Once my kitchen is done, which I uh, actually update on that, all the rough electrical, all the rough plumbing's done and inspected. So. That should be moving right along. But when all that is done, I'm going to re-clean up my basement area that was the podcast studio. It will still be a podcast studio, but it got filled in with extra containers of stuff that would normally be in a kitchen. Uh, and I'll put a little building area down there. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to see you start building too because it's actually been... Even this, it's funny because thinking about back to when I built models all the time, I'd have a ton going at the same time. I would never finish any of them because every time one little thing went wrong, I would just give up, put it in the box, and put it back on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I, I've decided that much like with my real cars, I'm going to like tackle these in a different way now. So it got to the point where everything was going well. This is like the third model I've built now in the past two or three weeks, which is crazy for me. Sometimes I don't build two or three models in a decade. Um it got to the point where everything was going perfectly well. This glass thing happened. The windows got all ruined. I sat back and I said, you know what? I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue to build the model because eventually I'll have new glass for it. I'll finish the model completely. Um, I just won't glue the body pieces together and put it on the chassis. But once I have a new replacement glass for it, all I have to do is mask it off, paint it, and then put the glass in, put the buffers on, and it'll be done. So I finished everything else in the kit, or almost. I'm not quite done yet, but they did all the details, all the decals, all the lights, all the everything. So that car is ready to go once I get new glass for it. So it's funny because I'm noticing that the older I'm getting, the more patient I am with the stuff and the less big of a deal it is when something goes wrong because I can just fix it. I guess the biggest thing I, I get annoyed with is it's usually like, I'm deep into it and then something goes wrong with the body. So I'm like, okay, well, that was a waste of time. So maybe start with the body first. That's also something I've done. I always do the body first now. <laughs> always yeah. do the paintwork first. But even then. Everything else, the interior, the chassis, I can do those perfectly. Yep. Over and over again. Because yep. those are my favorite parts to do. Yeah. It's, it's just become, it's supposed to be fun. And I think that as an adult, I'm remembering that. Like this is a hobby. It's supposed to be enjoyable. So I'm going to enjoy it. When things go wrong, it's part of the process. I'll enjoy the process, even if it's annoying at the time, because now I have to think of a way to fix it. Like I said, I was trying to fix it. I'd never tried to polish glass before, especially that was etched away from hot paint. I got it pretty smooth um, until it cracked in half, obviously. But, I will say, you know, because I do have a paint booth set up for model cars um, that my dad built like 25 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and when I did get, when I was using the airbrush, it's way easier. So once you have a space to use it and you can actually buy airbrush paint. Yep. Cause, cause you can get, uh, zero paints. It's, it's a weird thing. You can't get them directly from England. Maybe you can now a few years ago. You couldn't, you could buy them from spot model in Spain. They would ship to the U S right. 
I don't know why. There's but, there's a few um, manufacturers now that actually are based in the U.S. that have a very similar product. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's basically they a lot of them kind of aped Tamiya chemistry in their spray can and put it in a ready to spray. Yeah. Format. Yeah, it's pre thin and, and everything. It's base coat, clear coat, a lot of it. And the I've mostly used the white, but it sprays really, really nice. And I've just been too chicken to do the clear coat. Right. Well, you gotta start spraying some scrap old bodies that you're not gonna build just to I guess so, yeah. Just to practice. And it's funny, if you take an old kit that you had no intention of building and you practice painting on it and the paint comes out perfect, well guess what? Now you're gonna build it. Yeah. So I have a bunch of those and I could probably give you a few if you don't have any to just practice with. But just basically for how much to my spray cans cost, you might as well buy a bottle that's ready to spray. You actually get a little more out of it. So yeah, that's the problem. Uh, Tamiya spray cans are up to almost $10. Yeah. And it yeah. takes it's it's almost not enough to do two kits with one spray can. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's quite annoying. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually, because of the issues with supply chains and going places right now, I've been using a lot of Krylon paints and it, and just the ones you buy at Walmart or you get them shipped from Amazon uh, and they're cheaper. And if you look at the pictures I posted two weeks ago of the green Chevy truck and that red uh, Datsun pickup, those are both straight off the shelf Walmart spray can paint jobs. No clear coat, nothing, just sprayed on um, and then wet sanded and polished. And they, they came out half decent. <laughs> and those Krylon spray bombs are really good now. The tips on them are like, hmm. they spray a really nice pattern. You're, you're very limited on colors. There's no there's no metallics. Um, there's not a lot of like car, modern car colors. But for an old green Chevy pickup and an old red Datsun, it was fine. So, Yeah, well, that's the thing with these like zero paints and Tamiya paints. They've they've scaled the metal flake yeah. to be correct for a, a car. Yep. Um, I was nerding out a bit because playing Call of Duty, there's some weird feature where you can like spray paint. Okay. Like tag buildings or something when you're playing the game. But anyway, like the picture they show for it, it's a can that looks like a Tamiya can. That's awesome. But it's not. Yeah, it's weird. That's awesome. Yeah, the only thing that I haven't been using in a Krylon and I'm still using to my sprays is, is um, primer. Because the, the Tamiya or Tamiya spray primer is much thinner and the Krylon oh, stuff yeah, doesn't load up. The Krylon stuff just it, it destroys any molded in line on the car because it's so thick. So, mm-hmm. anyway. But the good news is you can use um, Tamiya primer with uh, zero paints. They did yes. make it compatible. Yep. So. Yep. This is the ultra nerdy model kit version of this podcast. Speaking of nerdy, uh huh. Um, I watched Thunderbolt finally. Oh yeah, uh, that is a what god god awful terrible movie, but I loved every second of it. It's really cool. It's super. It's yeah. It's the movie that's so you know it's it's so campy. It's cool. It's Hong Kong Fast and the Furious. Yeah, but like ten years before. Yeah, five years before, but yeah, it's so it's better. It's better because the cars are awesome. What makes Fast and the Furious terrible is the terrible cars. What makes this movie awesome is the awesome cars. Um, I did have a couple of moments with the dubs that uh, were interesting. Like at one right. point, he's uh, Jackie Chan is holding a coilover suspension unit, right? And they say, "What do you have there?" And he goes, "Oh, camshaft." <laughs> 
Oh, I missed that. I guess. It's so funny. I was like, wait, what? Um, the... Jackie Chan knows cars. Like, it's not a question that he knows cars. Um, he's a giant car enthusiast. He's actually a giant Mitsubishi enthusiast to the point that Mitsubishi has actually worked with him and released special edition cars in Japan that are Jackie Chan edition. Well, what's Jackie... funny is the is the real meta, the real meta, meta part, meta part of the movie. Yeah, is that his team at the end? Yes, is wearing jackets that say Jackie Chan team Mitsubishi rally art, whatever it is. It says it says Jackie Chan racing, and then it's got a big rally art logo across the middle. <laughs> yeah, but his name is uh, Fo in the movie, not Jackie Chan. So it's really funny to have the Jackie Chan racing on his jackets. Uh, Mitsubishi must have paid for this movie. They must oh, have yeah. financed the whole thing. The plot made absolutely zero sense to me. I was trying to figure out why he started as an employee of Mitsubishi. Then he's working in his own independent garage. And then by the uh, end... Mitsubishi training, I don't know. But by the end, he's back racing for Mitsubishi because the daughter of the company owner gives him a car or two and a truck full uh, of Advan street tires. Yeah. It was a really bizarre... It was hard to follow along, and I'll blame a lot of that, obviously, on the dubbing of the movie. Like, they probably didn't get... It probably flows better if you watch it in Cantonese, which is what apparently blonde, it's going Blonde German evil guy. like standard. Who's not German the whole movie? He's only German standard. after the first scene. Standard bad guy. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it's mid-90s. Bad guy has to be like... Every bad guy has to be like Hans Gruber. They yeah. have to have that like weird European accent to be the bad guy and just have no, like, you don't know why he's a bad guy. He's just a bad guy. Yeah. Like they slightly allude to it. There's one scene that looks like it's filmed like in LA and he's driving a red Corvette, obviously yeah, with drugs with right outside of the police department. What? Yeah. <laughs> he has a, a briefcase with, he opens it up and it's got two automatic weapons in it. And then he pulls out a compartment, it's full of cash, and he lists a secret compartment that's full of drugs. But that's the only time he's doing anything illegal <laughs> other than driving too fast or trying to murder Jackie Chan and his family and kidnapping Jackie Chan's family. But you don't know why he does it. It's also awesome his name is Cougar. <laughs> yeah. And so the movie opens with Cougar driving a Chevy Lumina stock car across the desert, which also never has anything to do with the rest of the movie either. Nope. Uh, also, like Jackie Chan sitting next to like a Starion drivetrain, just the engine and transmission, and he's just timing himself, shifting the gears. Yes, yes. Actually, I was watching it with Naomi, and she's like, "What is he doing?" I was like, "He's timing himself, shifting." Obviously, that's how you become a great race car driver. <laughs> I don't understand what you're talking about. What are you questioning here? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. So I've seen this montage of the movie a few times, like on Facebook and different places. I was actually a little disappointed that the montage wasn't actually a montage in the movie. <laughs> no, but uh, it's it's good. It's some great, like, best era Mitsubishi content. Yeah, like definitely. his practice car is an Evo three. Um, actually, I have a one sixty fourth version of that Evo three. Uh, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you so you can use it for the um, the image for this podcast update. <laughs> um. It's a cool car. Evo 3 is my favorite Evos. So that's neat to watch him driving that. Um, it is strange that the decal placement changes a few times in one scene. Uh, there's a green number panel under the door, under the mirror. And then in some scenes, it's not there. It's just red writing. But again, movie stuff. Um, spoiler time. Anyone wants to fast forward a little bit? 
spoiler alert, he wrecks the Evo 3. He thinks he's all done. Oh, by the way, he has to race to earn back his kidnapped sisters. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. The 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 Hans Gruber-ish bad guy Cougar like destroys his house and maybe kills his dad. He has a heart attack, but we don't ever see him again. So I'm assuming he dies, but they also don't tell you if he dies because he's not at the racing scene in the end. Um, but he kidnaps his two twin sisters and he's trying to get them back. And he says, you have to race me to get them back. But we're not talking about like an illicit race in the desert or in a back road. It's like an actual like mid nineties group A race. Oh yeah, the cars in it are awesome. Yes. Like that, that's that's what makes this movie this movie. Nineties cars, yeah. There's legit Group A race cars in it. Um, and if you watch after the movie is over, the credit scenes where they show their bloopers and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. A bunch of scenes that show actual, actual, actual Group A cars, like cars that ran JGTC in the nineties. There's the, the um, I think it's a Clarion Skyline R33 GTR, mm-hmm. and there's the our favorite, the Puma. Sponsored um, Mitsubishi GTO 3000 GT. Yep. So there's, there's some really cool Group A era stuff. And Group A, whether it be Group A Rally or Group A Touring Cars, are like some of my absolute favorite cars of all time. Oh, yeah. Those, those are the cars we grew up with. Those are the coolest race cars from any era we knew. I mean, it's the Evos, the Skylines, the NSX, uh, there's Honda Civics, there's RX-7s. There's all kinds of cool stuff from that era. And it's all in this movie. And I, I could watch the movie over and over again just in the background just to look at the cars. Um, all the chase scenes have like that typical 80s, 90s sped up footage. So that's kind of annoying, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. It's it's just a giant like group A era and Mitsubishi nerd like awesome film to watch because of all that. Well, also, if you're into Kung Fu movies at all, it is a it does have classic kung fu like style it's yep that's a classic jackie chan movie it's a jackie chan movie with race cars exactly i mean there's a whole scene in this ridiculous casino that's like jackie chan fighting a hundred dudes and it's a typical jackie chan you know thing where for some unknown reason there's trampoline suspended above the casino and they bounce from trampoline to trampoline which is very jackie chan-esque oh there's that fake lamborghini that's on a lift that happens to be a lift that goes up to the second floor if you stand on the roof of the Lamborghini, which is funny too. So mm-hmm. it's just it's it's an absolutely awful movie, um, but because of the fact that it's an absolutely awful movie, it's very entertaining to watch as well. Just don't take it seriously. Don't take this as a Brad and Andrew recommend a cinematic masterpiece. Take this as Brad and Andrew recommend a terrible movie that you can turn your brain off and just watch cool cars. No, it's a camp movie. It's yep. perfect. It's super campy. Super campy. But anyway, to end to end the, the spoiler alerts, um, he crashes his Lancer Evo 3 before the big race, right after he qualifies. Um, and then this girl who closed his hand in a door like years earlier appears out of nowhere and gives him two fully prepped 3000 GT GTO race cars and says sure. it's an apology for closing your hand in the door and not saying I'm sorry all these years prior. So she shows up with a Mitsubishi truck full of these cars and a second Advan truck full of tires from top to bottom. So therefore proving that Mitsubishi and Yokohama paid for this movie. 
I will say it's funny that the wheels on the 3000 GT change like 17 times during the big race in the end. Oh, I didn't even notice. So while the car has a camera mounted to the side and it's driving around the track, you can see it's a stock first gen 3000 GT wheel. Uh, whenever the car crashes, it's a stock 3000 GT wheel. And whenever you see the car from outside in a racing scene, it's an SSR. Um, like, like a professor that, that wide five spoke. So, oh, I thought those were works. Uh, works, not SSR. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. So, a work. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, it's a classic wheel. Like, I wish. It's a classic five spoke. Like, I wish. Like, they're super expensive to find because I don't think they're made anymore. Like, it would be cool in the talent, but. No, they're, they're, they're still made, but they're like 500 bucks a piece and they're custom made. Yeah. Yeah. It's a work five spoke. I can't think of the name of it. I thought it was. Emotion? Emotive? Meister. Work Meister. Meister. Der. Yep. Yeah. So we should know that. That's that's car, that's Wheel Nerd 101. Mm-hmm. Work Meister. Yeah, they still make them, but they're just very expensive because they're all custom made, forged per car. So I remember that. Um, our friend Josh had him on his wagon, remember? The Colt wagon. With the oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He bought um, them brand new from work. Yeah, I remember I've seen him on uh, a couple cars. Yep. They're one of my favorite all-time wheels, and I couldn't remember the name of it, which is yeah, have a classic style to it. Anyway, so yeah, watch the movie. If you're anything like us, which you probably are, if you can listen to us talk for an hour a week, you'll enjoy it. It's so bad it's good. Well, anything else to go over? Uh, I do want to make one more movie recommendation. Oh, yeah? Um, it's another one I saw on Amazon, on Amazon Prime. Um, and, of course, now that I said that, I wrote it down, and I can't find the piece of paper next to me. So may have to put it off a little bit. It was you about... Should... It was about... Um, Pebble Beach and the racing at Pebble Beach. Oh. But it's all black and white footage and interviews from family members and actual racers from the time. Because the Pebble Beach car show started as the Pebble Beach race oh. um, in, the, in the early 50s. And then went, once the uh, they had a pretty spectacular crash with a pretty spectacular death, they were no longer allowed to race there. But they'd already started doing the concourse. So they kept the concourse going at Pebble Beach, and they moved the racing to the newly completed Lime Rock part out at Lime Rock, the Connecticut. Um, yeah, Laguna Seca. Yeah, Laguna Seca track. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you should still check out the racing scene because that's free on Amazon. Yeah, I need to watch that. This one was free on Amazon too, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. So, it's about the woods racing in the woods. Um, Wonderful, wonderful radio here. All right. Anyway, uh, you can follow us on Off Topic Podcast on Facebook, on Off Topic on Instagram. When Brad figures out the name of this movie, he can post it to the Facebook page. I'm really annoyed right now because I wrote it down and I can't find that piece of paper. (laughs) You can follow me on Instagram at Race Nanger. And Brad, where can they find you? Uh, TSISS350. Cool. As always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses.